What's going on guys, Austin here. And in this video, we are going to be taking a look at the extra points overreaction Monday on a Tuesday. So without further ado, we're gonna go throughout some of the more interesting games, what the best ones look like, some of the most unexpected endings and that sort. So for week two, we gotta start with Thursday night football. Can the Chargers win one score games? That's been their curse for at least the last 15 years. It's It just seems like every single year, it's like, oh yeah, the Chargers lost six one-score games. The Chargers lost seven one-score games. Every single Chargers lost was a one-score game. And they keep adding that one piece. And you think, you think, oh, okay, that one piece is what's going to push them over the edge. You know, that's going to turn those three-point losses into a two-point victory. Or so you thought. You thought Cleo Mack was going to make that difference. You thought J.C. Jackson was going to make that difference. But seemingly every year, the Chargers get in these one-score games against good opponents, and they always lose. So are the Chargers in trouble? No, they're really not. It's no big deal. The Chargers are an elite team. They have easily uh, one of the deepest rosters in the NFL, and they have at least one elite player at every single position. Um, that's, you know, quarterback, weapons, offensive line, defensive back, uh, you know, linebacker, pass rush. They have two elite defensive backs, you know, at least two elite offensive linemen. It's, it's a crazy stack team. I'm not going to put too much thought into that, into that loss. Now the Patriots beat the Steelers 17 to 14. The Steelers offense looks horrendous through two weeks in two very winnable games that they've had. They almost lost week one against Cincinnati. They should have lost week one against Cincinnati. And they, they lose when they only needed to score 18 points to beat the Steelers. So the question is, is it time for Kenny Pickett? And the answer, I would say, is the Steelers, for them, it's going to be time to worry. Kenny Pickett is a guy who, to me, he's, he's going to be a lot like Jameis Winston. He's going to throw the ball down the field. You know, he's got that swag about him where, you know, he's, he's going to try to put the ball into the hands of his playmakers down into the end zone, into tight windows. And sometimes it's going to pay off and other times it's not. Mitch Trubisky, you know, feels a lot more safe. And I would keep him on the roster for times where, you know, you might need to uh, like post in some games. I don't know if Kenny Pickett has the full – uh, ability to be able to just kind of lay low and let the team win. Uh, but as far as, you know, as far as the Steelers are concerned, they, they can't keep this up. They can't keep, you know, putting up, uh, you know, 14, 23 lucky points in overtime type performances. Uh, and with the AFC North looking somewhat winnable right now, the Browns are one and one, the Dolphins are one and one, the Bengals are 0 and two, the Steelers at one and one, uh, you know, they're tied for first place. Now the Jets, they had an epic comeback against the Browns. The Browns with about two minutes left, two minutes and like and like three seconds, they ran a running play uh, up by six. Nick Chubb rolls into the end zone. They go up 13 and the Jets have two minutes left. And what they do with those two minutes is they drive the length of the field. They score a touchdown. They recover an onside kick and score another touchdown. Are the Jets better than we thought? It was one of the most improbable victories we've ever seen. And what I'll say is it's time to worry 
because eventually Zach Wilson will come back. The Jets have a good offensive line. It's not, it's not great, not without, uh, not without Mekhi Becton, but it's good. However, what they do have is a great set of weapons. They've got Elijah Moore. They've got Garrett Wilson. They've got Corey Davis. They've got Brees Hall. And they've got Michael Carter. Those are the wide receivers in the, run, in the running backs. But they also have Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzoma at tight end, two starters last year for the Vikings and Bengals, respectively. On the defense, I'd say they have not a star player, but I say they have an impact player at every level on the defense. They have Quinn Williams at defensive tackle and Jermaine Johnson at defensive end. They've got C.J. Mosley at linebacker. They've got C.J. or not C.J., but they have Sauce Gardner on uh, at cornerback. And I can't think of who their safeties are off the top of my head. But uh, honestly, the Jets are going to win a lot more games than you guys realize. I didn't expect them to win this Browns game. I have them starting like 0-8, maybe like 1-9, something like that. It was It's a pretty bad start, but I think I have them – finishing the season uh, with maybe one loss in, you know, their last, you know, six games or whatever it is. Um, the very, very easy second half stretch, which might, might not get them near playoff contention. I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised if by week 16, we're thinking like, okay, you know, just, you know, this crazy stuff needs to happen, but the Jets can still make the playoffs. Now the 49ers, they beat Seattle but they lose Trey Lance. It was a dominant victory for them. I think they ended up winning this game by, you know, like 20 points. Uh, So that's no big deal. But are the 49ers better or worse without Lance? Should the 49ers worry? Now, Trey Lance was always going to be a project, and he was still a project this year. He sat all of last year, and he came in this year as the preeminent starter. People were thinking about him as like a – Jalen Hurts type player where he was going to sit most of his rookie year. Jalen Hurts ended up coming in, you know, in stretches and then start the second year and look really good. But so far through, you know, you know, one game in a monsoon and another, you know, whatever it was, like 10 snaps of the next game. Trey Lance looked very mortal. Now they still have Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo. All he does is win football games. He just he he's an Al Davis kind of guy. He just wins, baby. Uh, And so from the standpoint of winning games, the 49ers should not be worried. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to win more games this year than Trey Lance would have won. However, by the end of the season, Trey Lance would probably have been better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So as far as Super Bowl contention, I think this put a hard ceiling on where they can go. But I think it also gave them a much higher floor. Now the Jags beat the piss out of the Colts 24, nothing. That's I think the last three victories um, at home against the Colts. Now they lead the AFC South at one and one, which is wild because the rest of the AFC South doesn't have a single victory. The both the Colts and the Texans are Oh, one and one. The Titans are Oh, and two. So are the Jags legit in a seemingly, in a seemingly uh, 
up for grabs division, can the Jags not only be legit, but can they win the division to make the playoffs? Trevor Lawrence, he looked okay. The running backs looked okay. Um, the defense. Now, this is where the Jags are going to start winning games. Over the last two years, three years even, the Jaguars had the worst defense in the NFL. And, they, and with their two first-round picks, what they did uh, with the number one overall pick is they drafted Trayvon Walker, the massive man, out of Georgia. And with their next first-round pick, they drafted the linebacker out of Utah, Devin Lloyd. And so far, that has absolutely paid off. Uh, they gave they gave the commanders a run for their money in week one, and they absolutely shut down the Colts in week two. But I would say it's barely time to worry. I wanted to put it close to no big deal. Uh, I would only say it's time to worry because the division is so winnable, so losable for everybody. Um, I don't think the Jags are a super legit team, but they might be legit enough to win this division. Now, the Dolphins had a major comeback on the Ravens. I believe they had a 22-point fourth quarter. Unbelievable. Um, Tua had over 450 yards. He had six touchdowns. So is Tua a top quarterback in the AFC? Because when it came to Tua, everyone was always comparing him to the competition. He's got to face Josh Allen. He's got to face, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He's got to face Justin Herbert. Got to face Joe Burrow. Now he's got to face, you know, Deshaun Watson. All of these guys. Is Tua a top quarterback in the AFC? For the league and the Dolphins can send a message that it is time to People tend to forget just because we're in an age of fantasy football that that just because you can be athletic and run the football and you have a strong arm doesn't make you a better football quarterback. Now, there are some quarterbacks who do run a lot that are good football quarterbacks, like a uh, Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson. Right now, Jalen Hurts is shaping up into that. But then there's a lot of quarterbacks who tend to run a lot and don't end up being that great at football, like, you know, say a Marcus Mariota, even though I still I'll still defend him. For years and years and years, we saw a five foot eleven, you know, kind of undersized arm, very accurate quarterback dominate the league down in New Orleans. Drew Brees and Tua, that's the comp, all right? Now, Tua, he was a little bit faster in college. He's had a couple of injuries, but so far in the NFL, he's stayed healthy. The league needs to worry because accuracy and ball placement and knowing when and how to win football games is something that Drew Brees and Tua Tagovailoa have always been very good at, and those are things that quarterbacks always end up on top. Those quarterbacks who know how to place the ball, who know how to be accurate, who know how to win, will always end up on top. Now, the Bucks, they sneak past the Saints. They were down 3 nothing for the first, I don't know, three quarters of the football game. Then Mike Evans takes a cheap shot at Marshawn Lattimore. They both get ejected from the game. 
Jameis Winston ends up throwing a pick six and two more interceptions pretty much at the same time. And the Bucs get a break. They win the game 20 to 10. From that standpoint, I would say that the Bucs got bailed out, especially the Bucs offense. The Bucs defense has given up in week one, I think it was nine points, three field goals. In week two, three field goals through, or one field goal rather, three points through the first three quarters, and then a garbage time touchdown. Is Brady's offense the problem? And for the Bucs, obviously you're not going to sell the team, but I think if you are trying to maximize the Brady window right now, they are going to have to trade future first-round picks to get offensive linemen because Brady cannot survive without everything around him perfect. Now, he's got Julio Jones and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans that will presumably be available all at the end of the season. Russell Gage is going to be there as well. He has Leonard Fournette, who is going to be there. But the offensive line, three of the th- two, I think two out of the three interior offensive linemen aren't there. Maybe, maybe three out of the three interior offensive linemen from last year aren't there from last year. And Brady needs everything on the offense to be perfect, especially the offensive line. Without that, there's going to be some serious problems. I would look at a team that is going to need to be rebuilding somebody like perhaps the Titans or maybe even the Colts, if the Colts end up deciding to tear it down, who has an offensive, good interior offensive lineman that you know you can have. I would sell the farm to maximize this window because you already have a Super Bowl. Nothing else matters. You have to get another one. And so for that reason, I'd say Bucks need to sell the future of the team. Now, Detroit dominates Washington 36 to 27. It's their second consecutive game. Uh, te- technically, it's actually their third consecutive game, if you can count last year, uh, of 35 plus points. Detroit is second in the league at 35 and a half points uh, in points per game. So can the Lions have a top five offense? The Lions have Amon Ross St. Brown, who just tied a league record with eight uh, eight receptions in consecutive games. I don't remember how many games it is. Um but he just tied that league record, and he also just broke the Lions record. He broke Herman Moore's record of consecutive 90-yard games, eight receptions, 90-yard games. At the halfway point of this season, they have arguably the best college receiver, Jamison Williams, coming back. Jamison Williams, who was there, I believe he played for the University of Alabama, incredibly fast, also very long, got hurt. Uh, late in his season. Now there was a chance that he was going to be ready for, you know, maybe like week two, week three lines, put him on IR. He's not going to be available till I believe week eight, maybe week, maybe week nine. Uh, so they're being extra cautious with him. And that leads me to believe that he will be absolutely ready by the time that he comes back. But they have DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. They have uh, DJ shark. They have TJ Hawkinson, Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross, St. Brown. They have, the best tackle center tackle combo in the league and their guards, uh, Vitae and Jonah Jackson, those guys are playing absolute elite football. This last game against the commanders, their guard center guard all out. They had backups in and they still dominated on the ground. Um, So, I mean, you can imagine where I'm going to go with this. It is time for the league to worry 
the Lions absolutely can have a top five offense. And right here, I I will pretty much damn near guarantee that they have a top 10 points per game offense by the end of the season. The Rams barely sneak past the Falcons, 31-27. This was my question for them last week. Are the defending champs in trouble? This is my question for them this week. Are the defending champs in trouble? Now, they were up 28-3 to on the Falcons last, you know, like in the last, I don't know what it was, 10 minutes of the game, like three, 13 minutes, something, something silly like that. And the Falcons... I think if the Falcons would have won that game, they would have broken the curse. They would have broken the 28 to three curse, but the Rams did not look great. They looked okay. Getting up, getting the lead. The running backs still don't look great. Their offensive line is still kind of shaky. Matthew Stafford is still throwing interceptions. Are the defending champs in trouble? I think the Falcons are a lot better than people give them credit for. I don't think the defending champs are in trouble. I'm going to hold off at least one more week. The offensive line is going to gel. Sean McVay is one of the brightest coaches in the league. Matthew Stafford is one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league. They still have an element in the receiving room to fully engage Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, and Van Jefferson. They all really haven't clicked together yet. The running game, it it literally can't get worse. So from that standpoint, I will say that things are probably only going to get better. Unless there's injuries, obviously. The Falcon or the the Rams, they're not in trouble. So far, it's no big deal. Now the Bills absolutely dominate the Titans. They dominated the Rams and then they dominated the Titans. That's the defending Super Bowl champions and the defending AFC number one overall seed in back-to-back weeks. That's about as tough of a start to a schedule as you can imagine. And they answered the call. The Bills, I think, are averaging something stupid like 39 points per game. And uh, their opponents, I think, are averaging like, like I think it's nine, nine points per game, eight and a half points per game. So my question is, can the Bills go 17-0? and 0? Uh, Well, the Bills, by the end of the season, are arguably going to have, again, the number one overall defense – I think that they have a few impact players, but because of the depth at their front seven and the depth in their secondary, especially once Tredavious White gets back, you know, their stars, Tredavious White and Von Miller, those are the, you know, the two best players on the defense, but they also have an incredible uh, depth at the safety position, incredible depth at the, the defensive line. You put that together with the fact that it seems like Josh Allen just can't, doesn't and can't miss his receivers uh now the running backs they are what they are we'll see if uh james cook ends up you know cementing himself into that number one spot last last night i believe he outrushed uh and out carried uh devin singletary the titans looked horrible they made derrick henry look i mean they, they made derrick henry look like a peasant not a king ryan Tannehill looks like the absolute worst version of uh you know miami ryan Tannehill when he had uh Adam Case is his head coach. Their two number one receivers each had only four receptions. Just absolute domination. This is the definition of a beatdown. I'm saying the league is on notice for the Bills to go 17-0. At the moment, they are the Super Bowl favorites, and they deserve to be. But the league should be worried that this might end up being one of the best teams of all time. The only thing that can stop the Bills 
is a lack of focus. If the Bills focus and play their best every week, nobody can beat this team with the possible exception of an unbelievably juiced Chargers, Chiefs, or Rams. Those are the only three teams that can beat that can beat a Bills team that's on point. And finally, the Eagles breeze by the Vikings 24 to 7. If you watch the game, 24 to 7 doesn't seem that bad, but if you watch the game, it was domination. The Vikings had no shot uh, the whole game. Hertz almost had 400 yards. He had three total touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Miles Sanders had 80 yards on 17 carries. There were four players that had 69 plus receiving yards. Uh, that's not a joke. There was just two guys that had 69 receiving yards and, you know, two more guys that had more yards than that. Uh, the defense played really well. Again, on the other side, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, the offensive line, Dalvin Cook, nobody looked good. Uh, the defense was okay, but I mean, again, you know, you're going to get sacks when you play against a running quarterback. Are the Eagles the best team in the NFC? Are you putting the, am I putting the NFC on notice? Nah. In all fairness, I had the Packers and the Rams in the NFC championship. That was my preseason prediction. At the same time, I had the Buccaneers missing the NFC playoffs. Now, the Buccaneers are 2-0. Is it fair to say that the Eagles are better than the Buccaneers? Are they better than the Rams? Are they better than the Packers? And my answer is, it is time to work. The league, the NFC, the league is on notice with the Bills, but the NFC is on notice with the Eagles. I said that the in the preseason, I said that the only teams that could beat the Eagles in the playoffs would be the Saints, the Rams, or the Packers. Now I think that the way to phrase it is, the only teams that can beat the Eagles would be the Saints, the Rams, and the Packers. Because this is now the team to beat in the NFC. It's not an overreaction. The Eagles are legit. They've got a real offense. They've got a scary good defense. And that is Overreaction Monday. On a Tuesday, Taco Tuesday to be in fact. Thanks for watching this video. Be sure to like and subscribe. Let me know what you think in the comments down below and uh, stay up to date on all of our future content.